0: Thank you for joining me at The Ghost Light. My name is Matt Morris, and I want to get to the bottom of what inspires the average theater professional. There are a lot of people to talk to, so let's get to work. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of The Ghost Light. I wanted to start this episode by thanking you for listening. The response to the first four episodes has been great so far, and I've gotten some iTunes reviews, so i definitely like to read those. The first one is a name backwards, so it's going to be hard to pronounce, but it's Brown Mitchell backwards, so you can read that backwards in your head. It's a five-star review. It says, choir kid who married my college best friend, actress, Great teaser episode, Matt. Can't wait for more. Thank you, Mitchell. I hope you're still listening. I really appreciate the review. It means a lot to me. The second one is called Eagerly Waiting for More from S.A. Fulton, and it says, I love the first few episodes and can't wait for more. I really appreciate that these interviews with artists that aren't typically spotlighted. It's wonderful to hear more about how each got started and how it has shaped their career so far. I would love to hear discussions in the future about broader issues, subjects in the arts world discussions about fundraising, community involvement, arts in schools, regional theaters, and different philosophies that companies use to create a season, etc. These reviews mean more than you know and are extremely helpful in getting this podcast off the ground. If you could subscribe and leave a rating on the service you use, it would be of great help to me. In line with the second review I read, I am looking for more perspectives on the theater. If you know an artistic director, a costume designer, a producer, anything that would be interested in speaking with me, please ask them to reach out to me at TGLpod on Twitter and Facebook or the at gmail.com. You can also give me their information and I'll get in contact with them myself. In this episode, I have a chat with a friend from college, a musical theater major named Randy. Randy split his time between writing and performing in college and has since moved to Japan where he works as part of a theater company there. His insights into Japanese culture and also, his thoughts on a long day's journey in tonight were very interesting. Have a listen. Hello, Randy. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being a part of this, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Great. Thank you for reaching out to me. Yeah. Of course, of course. So usually how I start these things, or, or how I have been starting them, is I kind of just say what I know about you up front, and then I just let you fill in the blanks from the beginning. Does that sound good? All right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. All right. So here's what I know about Randy, and it's not very much. I know that Randy went to the same school as I did, TCU. Yes. I believe <laughs> I believe you were. Were you an acting major? I was a music theater major, actually. Musical yeah. theater major. Okay, very close. Uh, and yeah. uh, I know that you moved to Japan, and you currently live in Tokyo, Japan.
1: I do live in Tokyo, Japan. And Great. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's uh, that's really what I know. So why don't you just start from the beginning and kind of fill in uh, the blanks in my knowledge here?
1: Right. So, uh, as far as Theater is concerned, I guess. It all goes back to probably... Well, I had always liked theater. I mean, I had seen a couple of shows when I was little with my parents. And I grew up in Washington, D.C., which... uh, And my dad is an immigrant to the United States. Maybe that makes a big difference in my sort of life. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. Whatever. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So... Like when I was young, I saw some theater. I thought it was really cool and fun, but uh, my family wasn't very wealthy, which meant that I wasn't able to really go to see very much theater. So I wasn't really, I never really thought about it as sort of a thing that I could do myself Um, until about probably middle school when I joined this youth group in Washington, D.C. It's no longer there anymore, but it was sort of a group that involved People from D.C., Maryland, and the Virginia area. And so they all came together and created this musical. And that was sort of my first really big experience with me acting and sort of doing that. Um, After that, I sort of liked theater, but I never really thought about it until I went to the Duke Ellington School for the Performing Arts in Washington, D.C., uh, where I was a literary media major, which meant basically I was writing all the time. So basically... I had been going to a lot of different schools uh, throughout my the beginning part of my life just because my mom's job would move us around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got to about high school, like my second year in high school, I was just writing all the time in my journal. Like I would be in math class writing <laughs> random <Yeah>. stories and <laughs> poems and stuff. So one day my journalism teacher took my notebook And then called me to a classroom afterwards and she was like, if you are going to be writing this much, you should go to this performing arts high school. So, uh, And it was actually really strange because I wanted to enter in my junior year, uh, which the school never allowed. Mm. (laughs) So I spent probably four or five months every time they had an audition, like calling them up, being like, can I come to the next audition? Basically, they kept telling me, no, no, no. And it got to the point where I got to know the uh, admission counselor's like name. And so whenever I would call, she'd be like, oh, hey, it's Randy again. <laughs> nope, not this time. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's good to be on a first name basis, though.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think in the end, that's really what got me a chance to even go to the audition. Because as a junior, they just sort of have a blanket rule for not accepting them. So I, I ended up going and... My interview was going horrible. Like the the board just didn't seem really interested in my stuff. Yeah, yeah. Un- t- until I started talking about like the last book I read, and I didn't actually read a lot of novels and s- short stories, and but I did read a play right before I did this audition. It was a uh, August Wilson play, Fences. And uh, as soon as I said that that was the last thing that I read, like the the I didn't know it at the time, but the guy who was in charge of the playwriting course at the school, like his eyes lit up, and mm-hmm. he started asking lots of questions. And I really think that that was what got me into that program. So we're gonna fast forward a little bit because I, I'm I'm there studying, uh, writing. I think I want to be a journalist. Actually, is sort of what my first idea was. Okay, but one day I I like I had to take a playwriting course and. Uh, this playwriting course just, I, for some reason, I, I was not excited about it. Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just me being a teenager and not wanting to do school. <laughs> like I just, I just didn't really apply myself at all in this course. And we all had to, write. basically, the way it worked was we all had to write a one-act play. And we had to turn it into a playwriting contest. And so we would do workshops in class. And uh, basically, my play was like the laughing stock of the entire course. <laughs> oh, no. You know, it, it, because I, I, I mean, it was pretty bad. I don't even remember what it was about, <laughs> but I just remember like not really trying at all. And, and so we had a big assignment where we were supposed to write like uh, a longer monologue. And to do that, they wanted us to go and observe the theater majors, like, uh, acting monologues for their uh, college admissions. And I go to this class, and I'm not really thinking anything about it. And then there's this one actress, and I will never forget it because this is sort of what sort of changed the course of my life in some way. Like, she walked into the room, and it was, like, she didn't even say anything, but from the moment she walked into the room, she, like stole my attention. Uh, I don't even, I, I have no idea what her monologue was about, like what it was, but I remember sitting in that classroom, listening to her do this one monologue, like one minute and just being like spellbound. Like the entire room seemed to go away. She, she had to be an amazing actress. Cause I just remember being like, it feels like she's talking directly to me. And she, I, I do remember at the end of the monologue, there was like a few tears and i just remember crying like it was so beautiful like (laughs) and and i think that for me was the moment i realized that theater had this sort of power to move people and so i went home it was like right before spring break and i threw away this like 30 40 minute page piece of (laughs) crap that i had
0: yeah
1: and uh, I wrote an entirely new play. I don't even remember how I did that. <laughs> like, I just did it over the course That's of the very impressive, break. yeah. And I go back to, uh, to the school. We don't even have a chance to, like, read it in front of the other people. We just turn it into the contest, right? And uh, the contest had some juniors and some seniors in it. And I was just like, okay. I I at least tried my best to write something of worth. Like a couple of weeks later, they were talking about, there were were two finalists from our school for the first place prize. And uh, one of them was a junior and one of them was a senior. And I remember listening to all the seniors' plays and they were really good. Like these were all writing majors, right? So they were really philosophical and they had like these really deep meaning. But I won that contest.
0: Wow! Congrats.
1: Yeah, I, I I got some money from it, and I had a pro, like uh, professional actors and a director come and do a stage reading of it, and that was sort of my my first thing because I remember you at TCU also did writing mm-hmm. and wrote plays, and for me too that was sort of my way into really taking theater really seriously was playwriting. I remember writing certain things right. But the life that the actors brought to it was something completely different. Like, of course, like a lot of it was from what was written in the script. But I mean, they also brought themselves to the work and there were it just felt like I was listening to like new something new. Yeah. When I was listening to it. Very cool. And uh, that was when I decided I wanted to go to university. I wanted to do theater. I really liked musicals even when before that, like. Uh, so I, I thought I was going to try to like write musicals. <laughs> I would I so I ended up going to TCU actually as a voice major for my first year, and uh, I was gonna do voice and study like some like com- composition and try to do that. But I ended up taking some theater courses in the theater department, and I just would rather have done that. And um, I also. Like one of the things that really stuck out to me about playwriting was uh, some of my favorite playwrights were also like doing acting. And for me, I needed to have a deeper understanding of acting if I was going to write for it. right? And so I, I decided to be an acting major. I took the BFA audition. So I spent most of my time at TCU doing that. I mean, I also did a little bit of writing while I was at TCU. I had a stage reading while I was there as well. It wasn't the best, but and since TCU, because I've been out of TCU now for, it feels like, five years, probably, I, something
0: I like that. I think you time. graduated a, a year, maybe two years before me? Three years? <laughs> I yes. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, something something like that, yeah. Yeah, so maybe 2010. Uh, getting,
1: yeah, well, I was 2011 originally. I think I graduated 2012, so maybe one year before. While I was at TCU, I got really stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Here was this kid from the inner city of Washington, D.C., coming to this really like affluent uh, university. I was the first person in my family to go to college. So no one, like my dad is from El Salvador. He never even went to high school. So there was just sort of this unknown world that I was living in. And it was really, it got really stressful to me. And one of the things that really sort of bothered me, actually, was, okay, so at TCU, we, we tend to study theater history, right? And in we had this course called Art of the Theater, and we talk a little bit about theater around the world, but it's not really. It, it didn't really feel like I was studying a lot about theater in Central South America, and for some reason, like I wanted to know more about theater in other countries besides the West. Like I don't know why, but like I would take I I took theater history one and two, I took a 21st century theater history and music theater history courses. And of course, like those were going to focus on America and the West, but just so much more theater in the world, like every country. And I also had that heritage, which I didn't really know much about. And so I started going to the library and doing theater, like studying theater in different countries. And I came across Japanese theater and I was on scholarship at TCU. So I had one semester that I knew I could study abroad. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to go to Japan.
0: <laughs> so there are some things that I, I would like to unpack about what you said. Yeah, of course. Some, some of very course. interesting things that I learned. Um, so you said that you came from, your your father was an immigrant. Um, right. So did you feel like he put any sort of pressure on you to do certain things? Or was he accepting of you doing theater? Because I know I, I knew a lot of kids growing up who had immigrant parents that wanted them to do go into certain careers, professions, because they felt like they were safe. Did you have a similar experience?
1: So my father didn't really sort of have a preference about where I went, like what I studied. He did say a couple of times that he didn't think it was the best because it wasn't (laughs) sort of lucrative. Yeah. But I mean, he he was still, he never really, because I was the one who was getting scholarship money to go to TCU. So as long as I had a way to pay for it, it was fine, but it, it wasn't necessarily, there wasn't help coming and it, he wasn't really sort, sort of supportive. But on the other hand, my mother was really, really supportive about it.
0: That's good. Yeah.
1: Probably because before, before I got into the performing arts high school, I was sort of on a very different track for my life. Like I was skipping school, I wasn't really interested in going to college in the first place. Being involved in the arts, Sort of gave my life a purpose in some ways like i just really felt like i wanted to tell some stories and when i told my mother that she was extremely supportive she was like if you want to study that go ahead uh she's also the one who uh told me to come to japan because i'm not sure if the people listening to this podcast know this but like when there was the big earthquake here in japan a few years ago like after that all of the study abroad programs to japan from the united states were canceled oh wow like not just at tcu but like schools all across the nation so uh tcu actually i had already been accepted to go uh to japan and tcu told me well you should probably look at some other options (laughs) and so they they got me really last minute accepted to go to study abroad in london but I was talking to my mother, and my mom was like, "If you don't, you've been planning on going to Japan. You've done all this research. If you really feel like that's where you need to go, then that's where you need to go. I'd really hate for you to sort of regret not going there." And so, my mother is really the reason why I was like, "Okay, well, I will," because I ended up having to really show some show some presentations to the school itself, just tell them how much uh, how safe it was and. And then once I got here, I sort of started getting involved in theater, so.
0: Yes, so let's jump into that. Uh, I kind of have a a two-part question. Um, How have your experiences in America prepared you for Japanese culture? And do you feel that there are big differences in the way that the Japanese approach theater in general?
1: First, I think uh, culture-wise, there's a lot of big differences, I think. Especially, uh, I don't think that being in America really did prepare me in a lot of ways. (laughs) So I say there's a lot of differences, and I think that that's what a lot of people tend to focus on when they come to Asia in general, for example. Uh, But for me, actually, what's been the most... Oh, I've been here probably going on five years now. And uh, what's been the most helpful is actually trying to find more of the things that are similar, like... There are a lot of reasons that people do things that are really similar. And the way they try to express that is very different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So like when I was studying abroad, I did an internship at a kabuki company, right? That internship sort of thing was part of the study abroad program I was in. So we had a sort of lecture course that went along with it. And... The first day I go there, they asked me to translate something, and at that time, my Japanese was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, asked me, they asked me to translate like a simple director's biography, and it took me all day, and I was like asking all the coworkers around me, like, "How should I do this?" So it was horrible. I was like, "There's no way they're ever going to ask me to do some translation work again." And I go back the following week, and they give me a kabuki script. And Kabuki is written in very old Japanese. It's very hard to translate, even for professional Japanese translators. And they wanted an English copy of it because they wanted to do some performances abroad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is impossible. They, they want me to fail. This <laughs> is how <laughs> I felt. They're just testing you. I went back to my class and I was telling my teacher, like, I don't think they like me very much. (laughs) Like, like, why would they do this to me? The thing that my teacher told me was wait a little more time. Think about like the stuff we're reading about, like these uh, books on Japanese culture. Maybe you'll have a different opinion of it later. The understanding that I came to after was. So in Japan, when people don't want you to work like in their company anymore, it's really hard to fire people in Japan because... People tend to work for the same company forever, so it's hard to fire people. So what they do is they don't give you work. They make it so that you're bored out of your mind, and that's how they show you that they don't want you there.
0: <laughs> that's quite a creative way to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so
1: I I had this piece of work and this translating thing, and uh, I went there probably two weeks later, and I was working again. And they asked me to do like some simple like flyer stapling or something and when i finished i was like okay what can i do next and they were like oh don't you have that translation job well, why don't you do that and then it hit me sort of probably not suddenly but as i went home and started thinking about it that translation job because when i finished the internship they never asked me for it yeah so i don't think they actually ever expected me to get it done but instead they what they knew they knew i was interested in japanese theater, right? So here I was, I had a chance to go over the script really carefully. Uh, I also always had work, right? Like, here was this piece of work that would never end, basically. (laughs) And for them, what my teacher, when I was talking to my teacher, was probably their way of showing that they were actually really happy that I was there, right? They really wanted me to be there. And I feel like in in an American company, Giving someone a piece of work that is impossible would be like, oh, we don't really like you. You're going to fail. Like It's a bad thing. But instead, in America, we would sort of show that we really like them by giving them lots of things that they can do and get it done. with. Right. Like, oh, this person is getting so much work done. They are an amazing worker. And sort of that feeling of wanting to show that, you know, you're appreciated by being here. That is the same in both cultures. Right. But the way it's manifested in actions is very different. And so, being in Japan, I've had to sort of learn, and I'm still learning every, every day, but being in Japan, I sort of had to learn new ways of dealing
0: with it. The second part of that question is, um, again, it's just in case you forgot, um, d- do the Japanese approach theater in a similar manner, or is it totally different?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, there are a lot of similarities. If we're talking about contemporary theater in Japan, Like, uh, they've been heavily influenced by realism. I mean, there's a lot of foreign works happening uh my first show i'm actually a member of a japanese theater company here in tokyo and my first show that we ever did was uh our town by thornton wilder okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) which uh i ended up getting lots of questions like what is america like and i was like
0: "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) exactly like this (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) but uh they approach it very similar they they do have more of a How can I explain it? Japanese culture really values teamwork, right? And I think we value teamwork in the theater a lot in America as well. But I think Japanese society takes it to a whole new level. (laughs) Like For rehearsals, even if it's not a scene that you're in, you're sort of expected to be watching and sort of learning from the people uh, in other scenes, which can get frustrating sometimes when you're like, no, but I I don't want to really... My scene is going to come after this, and I don't really want to be thinking about what they're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, But it's sort of this idea that everyone is a part of all the scenes and everything that's happening. And so there's a big emphasis on that in the Japanese theater. There's a lot of expression that is really, like, uh, I think we talked about this when we took Art of the Theater probably, but Japanese and Asian theater in general tends to be very visual, there's a lot of visual things that are really important to just traditional Japanese theater and contemporary. And so, comparatively, there's a big focus on like, uh, like presentation. I mean, I think that's changing with a lot of younger directors here in Japan as well.
0: Great, and I, I guess my uh, last question before we go ahead and, and jump into the the play, I asked you to, to bring to my attention, but right, um, how long? Do you plan on staying in japan is this going to be a lifelong thing or is it just kind of something you play by the moment
1: well uh, at the moment i'm pl- sort of playing it by ear. uh so i'm I, I joined this japanese theater company called bungakuza and i'm still sort of in their training program so i'm in my second year with them and uh, i have at least one more year with them i just finished the show last but they are also sending me like outside work uh so i'm doing a. I'm performing in an opera here in Tokyo that's going to be touring around Japan for a while. And if I can find work here, I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, I I would think about staying, but Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not necessarily sure if I would go immediately back to the U.S. and try to do theater or if I'm going to go to some other countries and try to learn some more. I I think I really want to spend some more time writing, which is something I haven't done as much of since I've been in Japan. To be honest,
0: <laughs> I know exactly how you feel <laughs> 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 all right, so um I've been asking people I just I asked them a simple question I, I or I guess I give them a simple command. I say, think of a show that is inspirational to you and tell me so I can review it. So when I said inspirational, why did you think of a long day's journey in tonight?
1: I remember reading that play and Sort of as a playwright it's a it's a beautiful play it's well written it's really uh it's heartbreaking and it has a lot of the writer's life in it right for me that when i when I see that play, whenever I read it or whenever I watch it in production, I always am floored by how much honesty there is in that show mm-hmm. and as a writer, that's sort of something that's important to me is telling stories honestly and I think that through that honesty the beauty of the work and everything shows a lot more. And so I guess in some ways I want to create plays that are really gritty and like truthful like that play.
0: Do you have uh, no problems kind of dipping into maybe family troubles or stuff like O'Neill did consistently? Exactly. That's
1: that's. I, I think there's a lot that I want to write about. Actually, the first play that I ever wrote, the one that got produced a little bit, was uh, a a play about family and it was a play that i used some family stuff that was a little bit difficult uh not very it, it was not very surface but uh you probably wouldn't understand if you read it but yeah. it was definitely personal at that time and i remember having a really hard time writing that and i think that's one of the reasons it it was a one was because of that
0: mhm Yeah, I think when it's personal, it can also bring closure to you writing it out. It's kind of like having a journal, but
1: yeah. But for like O'Neill with that play, uh, with Long Day's Journey in the Night, he never wanted to see it produced. Like he wrote it, and he was like, "I don't want this done for a couple of years after I'm I'm dead." But it's that would have been such a travesty, I think.
0: For people who may not know the story, just give me like a brief thirty second, one minute explanation of the plot.
1: Ah, that's (laughs) that's difficult but it's basically about this uh irish american family in the northeast uh i believe it's connecticut and it's about sort of a lot of the things that they've been dealing with across the years like the father is this well-renowned actor who's known for doing one role and sort of feels trapped in that role for his career he wants to do other things uh the oldest son, who is, I believe, a drunk. And uh, yeah, he, there's also some other things about in the past about a, a middle child who ended up dying. And then um, there's Edmund, who is uh, just back from traveling abroad and he's worried about his mother, who his mother has this uh, morphine addiction. And so it's this play about this family trying to deal with all of these different problems and the Edmund coming home and adding on to those problems with it like he's sick. Uh, and so it's just trying to deal with like how this family is dealing with all this past that they've sort of tried to hide and talking with each other and trying to deal with their mother's illness as well. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's...
0: Yeah, I think that was completely adequate. I think people can get the gist of the story from there. Um, just a, another question. I, I guess you know it is important. You live in Japan, so this is kind of just another question that goes around that. Do, do you see this play being uniquely American in its themes, or do you think this is something that would be successful in Japan? Ah,
1: uh, successful. Mm. <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more underground.
1: Well, I know it's been produced in Japan, and there are translations of it in Japanese. I'm not sure how popular it would be, but I mean. Plays from that era in general have a big audience in Japan. So there's a lot of like uh, Eugene O'Neill and Arthur Miller. And like, there's a lot of plays from the 20th century that are done. So um, maybe, maybe there's an audience for it. I don't know. Uh, I, but I think the themes are really, are really universal. So I think there's no reason it shouldn't be. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, kind of a curveball here. If you could ask O'Neill one question, what would it be?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I, just, I gotta ask I,
0: the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, if I could ask, uh,
1: I, I okay. So if I were to talk to Eugene O'Neill, I definitely want to ask him to like go into like his writing process. Like, I would love to hear the way that he sort of creates these characters, and of course that he uses something from his own life as well. But that—that's one thing that always has fascinated me. Has been like the way people go about writing because it's so varied and so different for everyone i don't know like he's so amazing like i would ask him for i I would want to ask him for like tips and things as well but yeah i'd probably be the the best question would be to ask him about how he goes about writing and how allows
0: himself to sort of be free
1: to like create these such varied characters in his work
0: it is interesting to think about what you would ask people you know, that they've obviously passed away that we're never going to hear that from, you know, somebody like Shakespeare. But now people today, you know, we have interviews on YouTube, and we know, pretty much how they work. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of mysterious in that way.
1: What would you ask him?
0: What would I ask (laughs) him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, (laughs) You you see, it's a hard question. That's why I asked you. (laughs) Maybe I would ask him if he he did write about his family a lot so i would ask him if writing about his family gave him closure or just made him i guess more anxious maybe isn't the word but more reflective and i guess more sad or depressed about the things that had happened in his life um it's possible he spoke about that at some point but i haven't read so i have no idea but that's what i would want to yeah. know from him but um uh, one last question for you man okay dream role and why dream is it role. your dream role
1: Dream role. Ah, uh, this is. <laughs> so, are we talking straight straight play or music theater? Because you, I, I have one you for want. both.
0: Okay, give me give me <laughs> uh, okay. both.
1: Okay, so if I was going to play a role in in a straight play, the role I want to play the most is Aaron in Titus Andronicus, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because. uh <laughs> I'm I'm known for being a really nice guy And that's sort of my thing And that's sort of the roles that I tend to play And I would really Really like to get in Like he's such a crazy guy (laughs) And like he has very little Like redeeming qualities And I think it would be a really fun role To like play around with And also it would be something that I wouldn't uh, Necessarily normally be cast in So it would be a stretch But would it be fun (laughs) (laughs) I think his last monologue is beautiful.
0: Yeah, um, Could give you a unique perspective, you know, always being the good guy. So yeah, a little trust to that character. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and if I was going to be in a, in a musical, I would love to play Collins in Rent
0: just because okay. that's one
1: of the first musicals that I've ever, I ever saw. And uh, I just, I, mm, I, it fits my voice range, but uh, I just think it's a, a nice role.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good enough reason for me. Well, I want to thank you for being on, Randy. It's been so interesting to hear your story and kind of your perspective about your life. I learned a lot of things. I hope people listening that know you learned a lot of things. Um, is there anything else you would like to say to the world?
1: Uh, to the world, yeah. <laughs> um, ah. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think I have anything that I would like to explain to the world. But uh, if you're ever in Japan or if you're interested in anything in Japan or please get in contact with Matt and he knows how to get in contact with you. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would love to visit Japan personally someday so Dude, I'll hit please. you up if I come your way
1: yeah thanks All, All right, right.
0: <laughs> thanks a lot Randy you have a good day it's been a pleasure
1: alright take care
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Randy I learned a lot about how Japanese culture thinks about theater and work in general I hope you learned something too Next time, I talk with the theater head at TCU, Harry Parker, about the show Gypsy, how he got into the theater, and his work as a director. If you like the music you've heard today, Melandros wrote the intro song and Pachyderm wrote the outro. I'll link to both of them in the show notes. I'll see you next time at the Ghostlight.